I'm Fred McMurray, and this is the special sixth anniversary of Yes, everyone's now freaked out because instead of seeing other people, they actually see me and you, Ray. Wow. That's weird. Isn't it, though? Actually, no. It's a throwback to the way it was six years ago. On six, six years ago today, we started oh, this see, thing. It was here, people. <laughs> yeah, true. That was, and you remember how we got started doing video, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the video was a natural progression because we started Zooming shortly after uh, after that just to see ourselves, not for the audience. Right. And then I think you said, why not let the audience in on these antics? No, I got yelled at by a guest because you're right. We started using Zoom when we did the women in business uh, episode that had eight female guests and a female co-host. And I had no clue how to corral nine women on a phone call. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, Zoom. And then it was about, what, six months after that, Super oh, Joe Pardo. <laughs> Super Joe Pardo was a guest on the show, and he yeah. said, you guys have too much fun on video. You got to show it. And I argued with him. And I argued yeah. with him. And I argued with him. And then I shut up and went and did it. And we've been doing video ever since. Actually, thanks to our producer, Heidi, because she was the one who was first doing the video in the back end. Yeah, that's true. So. That We've come a long, long road, my friend. Long. You got married. Yes, I did. People can see the the this ceremony on the Pillars of Franchising YouTube channel too. Yep, still up there. <laughs> so, besides what's happened in your life, um, because we know that I've had some ups and downs in mine, what's happened in franchising the last six years? How's it changed? Wow. Well, I think uh, COVID happened to franchising to begin with, and that's changed a lot. Uh, I think so many people didn't know what to do. And I know that, and talk about Zooming, you know, we started Zooming before COVID hit, but Zooming really helped a lot of franchises because they weren't able to get together physically to, uh, and meet whether with the franchise or in the franchisee, but then they discovered Zooming and that's when everything took off in, in that respect. And I know it's, it's interesting. I, we talk to a lot, I talk to a lot of people now that I used to get together rather infrequently uh, in person, but now we talk more regularly on Zoom. And it's almost as good, I mean, 
minus some of the the smell of the hamburgers cooking or something, <laughs> you know. But uh, it's it's uh, so we can get together a lot better, and okay. we can talk to a lot more people, and uh, pe- you know, people can uh, you know as a, as a, for instance uh, join this show and and see something about franchising and how great a, a, a program it is. So yeah, it's it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed helping people see the the rewards that can be gained at in uh, being your own boss and uh, and owning a franchise. So for me, there were there was one question I remember asking, um, and it, we were still on audio, and it was to an HR specialist. And we were kind of running near, this was before the down the rabbit hole question popped into existence. And I remember saying, well, if we really want to go down the rabbit hole, how's AI going to affect franchising? And there was like this panicked eight seconds of silence before she pulled an answer out of her, you know, whatchamacallit. And when I look now, how much in, in four, maybe five years, how much AI is jumped into business um, and franchising. Wow. We were actually, we were actually almost clairvoyant in that question. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah. how, how do you see AI affecting franchising? Well, I, it, because it affects every single aspect of our lives completely, you know, from what we eat, how we eat, where we get, how it's delivered and, and everything. It, it, it's really difficult to just say how it's affecting franchising. So, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to pinpoint it, to tell okay. you the truth. And, but, yeah, it's affected every – and I think if there's one thing I fear the most about the future, it is AI. And, uh, you know, <laughs> because it can take control. See – I've, I've been, I've been that way for a bit. Um, However, I go back to the Warren Zevon song, lawyers, guns, and money. And when I watch the lawyers running to the courthouses to sue the AI vendors, when, you know, they put out fake uh, deep fakes of Taylor Swift or this, or or the big media folks get their uh, copyrighted material stolen by AI. I think, Stupid lawyers are going to be the ones that save us. Amazingly enough, I think that's, that's going to happen. All right. So one last question. We'll continue on with the show. Who's your favorite guest? Oh, I think you know that because you asked me that question not too long ago. Uh, it's uh, Mr. Hotel. Ah, Mr. Broughton. Yeah, you and I, Larry Broughton, he's always yeah. been one of my favorite guests and, and because he always says something really profound that I go, hmm. And we yeah. both, and you and I both know I don't listen to anybody and go, hmm, they're profound. So, oh, well. Here's to another six years, my friend. Let's take us to commercial and go to the interview. Owners, how is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westbine, we help franchisees like you reach 
more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a Y.com. Hi, Ron. Hey there. Glad to be here. Welcome to the show, our sixth anniversary. We're glad to have you. Oh, I had no idea. This is a great day. I get to be a part of the big party. Indeed, and a party it is, if you can't tell already. (laughs) A few people who are wondering, well, why are they wearing hats? Because when we went first started to go to video, um, we all were wearing hats, you know, different hats, especially Fred. Mm-hmm. Yes, but nothing's better than your Canadian Viagra hat, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's Niagara Falls, I know. But when he said it the first time, we were like, why is he wearing a Viagra hat? I don't understand. <laughs> so we have with us today Ron Holt from Pink Zebra Moving. And Ron, I think before this, you were doing a little something with uh, two maids and a mop. Yeah, so I'm the founder of uh, a brand called Two Maids and a Mop. Actually, I sold it recently, and they rebranded it just Two Maids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I started the first Two Maids and a Mop. We actually started it down in Florida, and um, we went through hell and back, you know, to figure out a way to grow it. Uh, yeah. I didn't have the luxury of having a franchisor, you know, to train and support me. So I was on my own, and it, I proved it uh, during those early days. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's good because now you know what that's like, right? You've been from a founder to a franchisor, and now we're with Pink Zebra. Is this something that you've also founded? Yep, yep. Uh, so after, I mean, literally two decades, just over 19 years, building Two Maids and a Mop from one location to almost 100 locations, uh, I sold that business to really just focus on this business, Pink Zebra Moving. I had had a uh, my family, my mother-in-law here locally in Birmingham, Alabama, had a negative experience with a local moving company, and it just sort of got my wheels turning, my entrepreneurial wheels spinning. And so, uh, when all the bad things happened to her, I started looking at different markets across the country, just literally going to Yelp, and saw that similar things were happening with other people in different parts of the country. And so, the entrepreneur in me said, "Hmm, maybe I can do this again." And I had already sort of felt like I had lived my life on the two made side. Like, you know, again, I pushed the chips on the table over and over again for almost two decades. Yeah. Um, and that was fun. Like the startup life was exhilarating, but you know, I'd also had built this like corporate machine that really didn't need me as much, which is weird because you think that's what you want. Like the American dream is to build something that pays you while you don't work. But right. I've I've always wanted to get my hands dirty, you know. So once I had built the infrastructure and it didn't really need me as much, I just started I started losing interest in all sorts of other things in life, you know. And so I'm a crazy person. My wife thinks I'm nuts, but um, I wanted to get right back to startup life. And um, again, when that negative experience happened with my mother-in-law, I said, sell the business, sell two maids, and 
start over. That's where we wow. are. <laughs> so I'm dying to know the pink zebra, where did that name come from? So it's, it's sort of a two-part story. There's a homage to a book that, that I'm a huge fan of called The Purple Cow. Um, it was a part of my growth uh, as an early 20-something-year-old entrepreneur. It's what still motivates me today. You know, uh, be different. If you see a purple cow on the road or off the side of the road, you're going to remember where you saw that purple cow forever. Simple, pro so simple concept, but it's really not as prevalent in, in a lot of businesses as you would think. You know, I always thought hard work changed everything, but, you know, being different and unique is, is just as important, if not more important. And so step one to getting to Pink Zebra moving was just a homage to that. The other, I, I love the color pink. We all share that in common. And yes, so, we do. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was um, part of Two Mates branding and around the franchising world, I was sort of known as the pink, the pink guy. I always wore a pink jacket. And so um, I wanted to kind of keep that. So we were going to call this moving concept pink truck, which when you say that out loud, since there's two K's on the end of both of those words, it doesn't grammatic, it just doesn't enunciate well, you know, and yeah. everyone said, don't do that. And I said, yes. And so that was what we were going to do. Pink truck uh, moving company. And so my wife and I um, celebrate one of our anniversaries, went down to the, to the Keys and we were on a boat. And if you've ever been, there's a place called Seven Mile Bridge. And uh, on one side is the Gulf of Mexico, the other is the Atlantic Ocean. And it's like magical, right? You know, it's beautiful. All the, all the just things. rode across it last month. It's, yeah, it's, I wish you should call me next time. We, we'll do it together. <laughs> and so we're underneath that bridge for a couple hours, just kind of hanging out. You know, the, it's just a beautiful day. And so uh, there's a bridge above us this whole time with cars and trucks going back and forth. But we don't, you don't hear them. You don't pay attention to them. But for some reason, this zebra striped moving truck passed over the bridge and it caught my eye and I followed it all the way through the bridge. And it turns out there's a zebra style moving company out of Miami. And mm -hmm. so that's when I married those two concepts, the color pink and the animal zebra. And I said, that is the clear homage to Purple Cow now. And so Pink Zebra Moving was born on a boat in the Florida Keys. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's a name people remember, you know, I think. Yeah. I hope so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I can't wait to see these mascots we talked about because I think that's very interesting. But um, mm. let's talk a little bit about as you're building this brand, how many locations do you have now? So we have nine locations open, uh, predominantly in the southeast since we're headquartered here. Uh, we do operate as far west as Denver, and we're in Oklahoma City. But since, you know, we're here and we're still young and emerging brand, you just kind of grow organically from your, your regional area. Uh, same thing happened with Two Mates. We were in Florida, and so most of our early locations were in the state of Florida. And so anyway, we're here, but we have five locations that will open in the next six weeks. So we'll be, we'll be in 14 markets by the end of the first quarter. Uh, okay. We want to be somewhere around 10 to 15 new locations a year, probably closer to 10 than 15. Mm -hmm. um, this, this particular business model is like any home service industry. It's so dependent on the person running the show. And oh, so, you know, whether it's the owner or what we call the branch manager, uh, the, 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 the boss, um, that person can't be disconnected from the business. And so there's a lot of opportunities for growth in, this, in franchising, whether yep. it's semi-absentee or even fully absentee ownership. But we really try to focus as much as we can on the owner-operator model. And so that's just harder 
to yeah. find that type of person. You know, most people don't want to buy a job, as they call it. Um, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as a pathway to not having a job. But it certainly it certainly worked the first year or two, even um, with with this type of model. And so, probably around ten or ten locations a year is where we'll probably find ourselves. That's what we mm -hmm. did last year. And so we'll probably end up there again. At least that's the plan this year as well. You so I understand uh, you have an unusual model that you present to your clients. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's the fun part. So this, we think moving is broken. Like the end, I don't know if you've ever have you guys ever hired a moving company before? Oh was yeah. It, was it as fantastic as is <laughs> normally for people? <laughs> Not so much. Yeah. So that's that's same cycle of just poor customer service and just lack of satisfa satisfaction has been going sort of forever for 50 plus years, you know, since the industry was born. And there's a lot of good people in this industry that work super hard, just like when I was in the cleaning business, you know, nobody, there's very few people that just are um, not doing their job properly. You know, everyone's trying to do the right thing, but in our world, um, it's so different than the cleaning world that I'm accustomed to because we are we are measured so differently. You know, our man, we're working for someone for probably eight hours, sometimes even more than that. Mm -hmm. Everything has to go and it has to be, you know, it has to arrive perfectly. And if you sort of miss the mark, there's a real opportunity for the customer to think that we did something wrong. And so mm -hmm. what I've learned in this industry is that most moving companies, when they are hired by a customer, it's a transaction, just like if you were yeah. to buy a burger for dinner tonight, mm -hmm. you know, instead of paying ten dollars, you're paying three grand, you know. And so that it's fine when you're buying the ten dollar burger, you know, because whatever. But three thousand dollars is a lot of money, even in an inflationary environment. And so since there's very little relationship and very little communication between the company and the customer, you know, all bets are off because right. now you've allowed the customer to determine exactly what she wants to or believes to expect. And so what we try to do is ultimately we're trying to build a relationship with our customers, one that we think, again, is missing in this industry. We've chosen the, the emotion of fun to do that. Uh, we call ourselves the world's first happy moving company. Our slogan is we make moving fun. We literally try to put on a show. Um, we kind of stole this idea from a lot of other industry, like sort of disruptors, like the Harlem Globetrotters. And if you've heard of baseball, there's a new team <laughs> called the Savannah Bananas. And so we are trying to be sort of banana-like in the moving industry. And so whether it's the mascot Zeke showing up for some fun, uh, or we leave um, a surprise box full of personal goodies that's really oh, related cool. to them. Like in your case, you're in Chicago, but it looks like you're a 49ers fan. So we could probably have some fun with that, you know, whether it's right. another... 49ers hat or koozie or, or whatever. So we leave behind a, a literal box, a gift box with all sorts of personalized goodies with a note. We play music throughout the house as we're moving, nice. which seems very like subtle. But if you think back to your moving experience with a company, it was awkward, probably like quiet, weird, you know, and you got oh, these strangers yeah. in your and, and you hear everything, right? So you right. think they're breaking stuff, and it's really just they're sliding a box yeah. across the yeah. wood floor, right? So I'm sure that eases a lot of the tension. Yep. And so we just play music. We have a happy, you know, fun playlist that PG rated awesome. plays. Our staple, kind of the trademark that we've become known for, is the free dinner offered. So the night before a move. We call the customer and we go through the, you know, X's and O's of the move 
but at the end of that conversation, we say, surprise, you know, we're a fun moving company. We like to put on a show. Part of that show is for you to put, put, put your feet up. And so tonight, we're going to send you some dinner. What would you like? You want sushi? You want pizza? What, you know, what do you Hi. want tonight? And um, usually it creates a fun, you know, some type of response. Sometimes people have cried. Um, but, Aww. you know, as simple of an offering as that is, it is, it is really transformative when it comes to building a relationship with our customer. Uh, and so we, we do a bunch of other things, but those are sort of the highlights. I mean, we always try to be a little bit off script in some cases. Yeah. We hear, um, if our movers hear something that's unique to that situation, we try to use that to our advantage. We've had uh, situations where someone needed to um, do some other things, like they needed to um, get some other home services, you know, done around the house, like a lawn right. service, even a cleaning service. And so we're mm-hmm. like, hey, we can help you with that. Well, so that's not that fun, but we'll call people and say, hey, these guys need some help here today. Can you hook them up? And so we we really work hard. Again, the key word is relationship. Right. Build a relationship so that at the end of the day, we're, we hire the same movers as every other moving company. Yeah. So we're human beings. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to break some things, unfortunately. Sure. We're not perfect. But you know, think about like when you're like a family member, if you tell a family member to come over or don't tell them, ask them to come over <laughs> and maybe they damage something. Maybe they break right. a glass, you know, because they are mad the lion's lost last weekend. Well, <laughs> when that happens, you know, they break it. It's bad. You know, probably your favorite cup and everything, but you're probably not going to, they're not going to be separated. You're not going right. to out them of the family because you have a bond, you have a relationship. And so the same thing happens in other relationships, even professional ones like moving companies to customers. And so the closer we can get to our customers, the easier it is, honestly, to make them happy. So that's that's our whole story. I would think moving is a tough job. It I did, is. did it for one day, okay, and then I couldn't go back. But I got to ask you this. So moving is a tough job, but I understand that sometimes you guys stop in the middle of the day and do calisthenics. Is that yeah, right? Well, so we have a couple of things. So to start the move, um, if you've ever heard of moving company, you may not even recognize this is happening, but every moving company in the country does a walkthrough. So you show up, the guys get out of the truck, introduce themselves, and there's a team lead supervisor for the day who says, okay, let's see what we got. Let's just make sure the scope of the project matches what we're going to do today. And so that, that walkthrough lasts five or 10 minutes usually, and it's over, and then the work begins. Well, you know, I'm a big football fan, and so I'm always, I always believe that football, at the end of the day, is entertainment. And so <laughs> if you just went to the Bears game and just walked into the stadium and immediately they kicked the ball off, that, that would be weird. You lose all the drama, right, of, yeah. you know, of everything leading up to it. And so that's what we do to lead up to our move. We have a whole crazy sort of act. We, we don't tell the guys exactly what to do. We want it to be sort of organic. To them, some people do jumping jacks, some people do push-ups, some people run in place, some people have a whole like dance routine, but whatever it is, they do something silly for just a few minutes. It usually lasts no more than five minutes, and that's how we get the day started. Um, and so, so, you have an amazing culture that is very clear, and and I have to say, I, I because of the industry we were both from, I have to say that some of that, aside from your mother-in-law's um, experience. That relationship building that you did with Two Maids and a Mop has to have kind of taught you how to do that here with Pink Zebra, wouldn't you say? 
For sure. So I'll actually tell you another catalyst that brought me to this industry. As we were growing, you guys all lived through COVID. Um, you know, outside of the March and April of that year, we actually flourished. Like, you know, we were an essential provider in most of our markets. Yeah. And um, due to the nature of, you know, the virus spreading, we were welcome to service providers in most of our homes. And so we grew faster than we'd ever grown. Our, our franchisees were making more money than ever, and things were going really well. And so we were adding all these new customers that historically we had not really served yeah. before. Yeah. So I pulled back the curtain and I looked at some of the data, and there was this one troubling API of customer retention that was really concerning to me. And so while the business overall was growing, it was mainly because there was so much demand that we had never seen before that we were just riding that wave. And so I said, at some point, franchisees, the wave will subside and then our business was going to be exposed. And so we've got to improve our service. We've just got to provide a better experience. And so yeah. the brand had become very large and we had almost 100 locations, thousands of employees across the country. And you can imagine as a leader standing in front of somebody who's making more money than they've ever made yeah. and tell them we got to fix something. <laughs> you know? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like going to the beach every yeah. weekend and making yeah. money. And so it just, did, honestly, it didn't go over very well. And I had a bit of a fork in the road moment where I had to say, do I just put my head down and say, well, that's how it is. We've got a problem and deal with it. Or do I just go try to create a whole new culture somewhere else? And so that's obviously a choice I made. Um, nothing's wrong with that original brand. I, I love the industry. Sure. And of course, love Two Maids and all of its franchise owners. Um, but, you know, we, we were having some retention, not major issues, but there were some yeah. red flags, you know, present for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think that's really important. You know, you always talk about if it's not broke, don't fix it. But, you know, that there's a time, you know, I especially during COVID when really what people should have been doing, whether they were super busy or not, is just honing in and making it even better because you know that as busy as you are during COVID, when you come out, you're going to be slamming busy and you've got to make sure you're ready for all that. But um, so I'd have to think, let's talk a little bit about who your ideal candidate is. Is this, would you consider this to be a lifestyle brand? I mean, we talked about it being an owner operator, which I love that idea. I think that's absolutely critical initially. Yeah, so we don't want anyone to be an owner-operator forever. One of the lessons I learned at Two Maids, there, there are plenty of people that want to be owner-operators. I don't know if this happens with you guys, but for some reason, there are some people that really always want to stay owner-operator. Yeah. <laughs> and I've always, you know, for me, I've always questioned why you want to do that, but, it's, you know, it's their prerogative. And so, what we're trying to do here that's a little different is to tell people up front, this is a two, maybe even just one year, but one to two year investment where you are the branch manager. You are, you're not moving. You're not driving a truck even. Um, right. You're running the business. You're not acting as a you know mover um, or even a quality control agent. You're, you're still hiring people to do those things. But we do as much as we can try to find that person, male or female, that wants to be in that seat for anywhere from one to two years. But then they need to know up front, they are out. At some point you do have to go play tennis and you do have to go on the trips, you know, and you need to, you need to 
recognize, you know, that you've sacrificed and, and live, you know, yeah. the rewards from that. And so sure. we had a few people who were great business owners, like really, really good business owners that had, you know, multi-million dollar cleaning businesses, but still 40, sometimes even 40 plus hours a week. And so I just, I'm trying to tell people up front now that is not the goal here. You know, we want someone to be as active as possible early on, but also we want you to enjoy the the fruits of your labor too down the road. But don't you find like right now, I know especially selling franchises, so many people and franchisors alike are touting and looking for the semi-absentee to absentee owner. And my kids said to me today after we went to get his permit, you know, mom, we got a chicken sandwich. And he's like, oh, I think on a scale of one to five, this is about a three. And so we're talking about chicken sandwiches and fast food, right? And he, and he said something about one of the brands and he said, you know, the thing is, they're supposed to be the number one chicken brand, and they have the worst chicken. And I said, really, you know, it, it is interesting because people still look to buy this brand of, of restaurant. I said, but, you know, Jake, I think the difference is that this is where an owner comes in. This is where the management team comes in, because there's a very good chance that whether it's McDonald's, KFC, Wendy's, whatever, they're probably sourcing a lot of the same stuff from the same farms and things. Perhaps, maybe not, but there's a good chance, right? And so he said, I just don't understand why it's so bad and, and the experience from one to another is so different. And it hit me, and not that it was the first time, but going into this interview, I was like, there you go. I mean, that's exactly why you have to lay the foundation, right? Like you said, one to two years. I think that's, I think that's great because if you go in thinking that you're not going to have to spend that time, you're going to pay for it later. Right. Well, we, if, again, looking back on my two mates experience, we opened, one of our very first markets was in the DC area. And we had a um, pretty absentee owner there. And we were just so proud to sell a franchise that we yeah. said, yes, let's do it. And so we did it. And these guys were really accomplished business people and um, purchased the territory. Well, they did okay. You know, they were, mm -hmm. I think they would consider what they did to be a success, but they didn't necessarily give it the time that they probably, they had so many other interests. And so they came to us and said, Hey, I think we may sell this because again, we have so many other interests and our time limited. So we said, okay. And we were fortunate to find another uh, couple who was fantastic. And since that time, they have went on to, to open nine other or eight other locations. They own nine different locations from the Carolinas up to DC. Nice. Um, and all that's happened within about a, six-year period um, wow. so same market two different owners but in yep. terms of growth and success it's a whole other layer you know a whole other level yeah yeah well and i know we'll have karen come on in a little while and talk about what she's seen change in the last six years when it comes to things like staffing and leadership and some of the things that our employees require more today than they did six years ago, right? I mean, you probably find that even with your corporate staff. Oh my gosh, you know, from the inflation, you know, wage inflation is is pretty real, you know, when I'm, yeah. when, we, when we're trying to hire for our corporate staff, we're hiring less people than whenever we were hiring just a few years ago for two mates corporate staff, because we're paying more. And so yeah. um, home services, I, this is my opinion, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, I don't feel like there's been a ton of inflationary pressure on consumer pricing and home services. I don't think they've changed yeah. drastically. 
Um, but on the on the compensation side, they the between the regulatory costs and just the wages themselves, there's yeah. been a tremendous increase. And so you you know most people say, well, just pass it on to the customer. Well, I don't. You really haven't been able to do that. No, know? no. There's thresholds, right? There's right. there's only so far you can push the customer before they start to push back. And right. talk a little bit about well, a couple things I want to know. What does it cost somebody? How do you define your territories? Can you talk uh, a little about that? <laughs> yeah. So again, it's important what you're looking at. We have larger markets to smaller markets. Right now, we have basically most of the country available for development. And so if you're interested, we, you can purchase up to five territories, so anywhere from one to five territories. Our territory size is 300 to 600,000 people. And so if you're in a college town, for instance, that's probably going to be a single territory type investment. But if you're like if you're in Michigan, since we're talking about the Lions, if you're looking at Lansing or Ann Arbor, that would be a single territory. But if you want parts of Detroit, that would be a multi-territory type yeah. development, anywhere from two to potentially even five territories based on where you are. So larger markets typically are a larger investment. Um, mm -hmm. We typically, most of our franchisees are looking at an investment of any, this is a broad range, but anywhere from 150 to $300,000. Again, the main reason it's such a wide deviation is because we don't know how much dirt you're going to purchase, you know, so That's obviously right. smaller, the single territories are going to be a little bit smaller investment, and that includes two trucks, so most people right. either purchase or lease the trucks. Um, either way, it's easiest to, you can purchase just as easy as you can lease, typically purchasing the brick and mortar or no? We do require offices. These are small offices, probably very, you know, I'm, I'm still a cleaning guy at heart, and so it's a very similar style um, office like we have in, on the on the cleaning side, except we do have the need for some warehouse space. But mm -hmm. still, it, you're usually talking about a 2,000 square foot flex type space mm -hmm. uh, where it's kind of you know 50/50 office to warehouse in some cases. Um, we use that for practical and logistical reasons, but we also need it for marketing. You know, from SEO perspective, it's important yeah. nowadays. And so um, that is a that's a pretty critical piece. So you start with an office, a branch manager two 26-foot-long trucks that are branded, of course, and then you're open for business, you know, and so we do all the rest. We teach you how to do it, um, what you've already been through, you know, we connect you with the right vendors. You know, a lot of our vendors are the same vendors we had at Two Maids, and so wow. even though we're a new brand, they came over with us, and they treat us as if we're a 100-plus franchise brand because awesome. of the history of the relationship that we have with them, and so our franchisees get the sort of benefit of that relationship as well. Ron, I want to ask you, if someone was to look at your FDD, what three sections would you point them to? Well, I mean, you, it starts with revenue, you know, like you, I, I'm pretty proud of what we yeah. did. So we, before we ever offered the opportunity as a franchise, um, at Two Maids, I spent, doing the math in my head, almost 10 years before we ever franchised. We had 12 corporate stores before we franchised it. So I had a decade of experience here. I'm too old now to wait 10 years, you know? And so we uh, we only had a, about a year and a half's worth of actual relevant industry experience. Uh, but in that year and a half, we really crushed it. I mean, I was super, I mean, and, and this is in an environment where interest rates are high, real estate activity has been down. And so, you know, our, our industry is, very dependent on that industry. And so yeah. 
we opened in the face of probably some pretty tough headwinds, yet we were able to build that business to almost $700,000 in revenue in the first 12 months. And so uh, you'll see that in the FDD. And, you know, we were, again, very, we expect that same thing from every franchisee that we open. We know that 600000 is not the ceiling. You know, there's most of our, like the big competitors we could compete against, uh, the two men's of the world and so on. Those are three plus million dollar units. And so we know that time is going to do its thing and, and believe that our franchisees will recognize the same type of results. But right now, that's where I would start. Revenue, labor, like again, any home service, that's going to be your largest line item, expense line item. How you manage your labor force ultimately determines what your margins are, you know, for your yeah. bottom line. If, um, like, like you guys, for every dollar we pay, Every dollar we receive from a customer, um, a, a small fraction of that goes to our employees. And so you don't want a lot of uh, employee wages not connected to revenue. And so yeah. that's one red flag that we talk to our franchisees about. If you're using these guys, uh, typically they're guys. We do have some female movers. Um, if you see these guys out work, you know, doing something that doesn't generate revenue, you're not going to be able to pay for that. You're going to have to subsidize that, you know, yeah. so be careful of that. And then third, you know, in our case, you know, we probably give you two here, but insurance can be very expensive in turn. Yeah. The reason for that is <laughs> claims, you know, so we, if, if you have high claims, typically that means you've got some internal issues. Yep. Um, everybody makes mistakes, but usually if you, the more mistakes you see, the more turnover you see uh, within yep. that office, you know, that business. And so for we, sure. We work on all those. There's a bunch of other things, but those are the kind of things we focus on. Yeah. The one thing I like to tell people when they're looking at emerging brands, especially something like yours, um, with you being the founder of this as well as Two Maids, is because you don't necessarily have a, a big uh, item 19, um, which, by the way, I love that you have corporate stores. We were just having that discussion yesterday on a call about franchisors who have corporate stores being more connected to kind of the ebb and flow of business of the franchisees rather than somebody that sits back and they don't have any corporate stores and they're a little bit out of touch. So I think that's great. Um, but what we talk about is looking at the leadership team in a new brand and what it is that they have done in the past and how successful they've been. So I think it's great for you and anybody looking to invest in Pink Zebra to take a look at what you did with Two Maids, how you were able to navigate that growth um, and like you said, you know, you you saw some things going awry there and, you know, we're starting to get those underway. But I think that's really important that a lot of people don't think about it. You know, all these emerging brands and there are thousands, thousands of them out there, they just haven't had a chance yet. So you have to look at the leadership team. Yeah, we were very fortunate with Two Maids. Again, we had 12 corporate stores. 11 of those 12 we sold as existing franchises, existing locations. And so yeah. the folks who purchased those 11 of those 12, we kept the one for a corporate location here in Birmingham, really didn't experience the full startup life, you know. And so yeah. that was good and because these startup guys that back in those days could look to, to those locations for direction and inspiration and motivation and just, you know, sometimes you hit some valleys when you're building a business. And so when you don't have like mentors in your network to look to who are the high performers, then it, it's hard for you to keep going sometimes. And so yeah. we're missing that here. I will say that um, mm -hmm. I sort of took that for granted uh, with two maids. Um, now I sort of serve as that role. I serve in that role for our franchisees right now, but our oldest franchise location is 
just over a year old. You know, we have the corporate stores, but the fran the franchise that's oldest is only 13 months old. So oh. that's not a very old business. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and and when they go through things, they don't have any. They don't have a top five percent performer yeah. to to reach yeah. out to to ask questions. Well, I think it'll be really an interesting road for you. I love the marketing spin on it. I think that's really great, playing music and getting people, like, excited about a move. Like, no one's excited about a move. So, I mean, if you guys come in and get me excited about a move and I'm dancing around my boxes, I'm like, woohoo, right? We own that tagline. We, we, our tagline, again, is we make moving fun. It's on the back of our, sh- our shirts. We do that on purpose so oh. that – People go, what What the heck's going to happen here? You know, there's yeah. usually a level of intrigue uh, when someone hires us because they want to see what this what this is all about. Excellent. And so, real real quick, one last question: How long are you seeing it? I know it's it's early, but before somebody can become cash positive in this business. Yeah, you know, it's hard to give you an exact, but you know, our our hope is part of this is based on seasonality in our industry. Um, the year looks sort of like a bell curve, you know, right. so the summer is our peak season and that's when a bulk of the revenue is earned. There's about a four, literally a four month period where more than half of your revenue is earned. And so yeah. um, if you open in the winter time, the start of the winter time, then it's a longer runway to get to that sure. summer peak season. And since you don't have any local goodwill, you're earning all your leads from paid traffic, you know, and so yeah. it, it's, it's a little different based on when you start, um, we, tr- we will open throughout the year. Yeah. Um, but people have to have an expectation of what their runway is going to look like if they open in October versus April. Sure, sure. And so that's part of the, that's part of something to think about. But generally speaking, somewhere between that first and second year, that's, okay. that's when what we're targeting in terms of the positive cash flow. But we've had other, we've, one of our, our Charlotte location um, opened in June of last year and generated serious revenue right out of the gate, but he was also in the heart of the season, you know, so yeah. that was a fun start for everyone. Yeah. That's excellent. So I just want to recap then. So in, investment somewhere between 100000 300000 obviously your first to market was making moving fun and the pink zebra name really just kind of elevates everything. Um, owner operator first couple of years and then step out a bit, become semi absentee to absentee, right? One to two years, yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh, in, you've got nine locations now, five more on tap to open in six months. Excellent. Yeah. So, where can people get in touch with you if they'd like to have a personal conversation about this opportunity? Yeah, really, there's a couple of things. If you're actually a consumer that just wants to see what all the, the, the fun's about, yeah. you go to pinkzebramoving.com and you can hire us in any of the locations that we're open. Um, if you're interested in the franchise opportunity, it's pinkzebramovingfranchise.com. You're going to learn more about the investment itself, the expectations at least, what um, you know, some of the key data points are that, that are important to who we are in our industry. And you're just going to see who we are as people as well, what we do in terms awesome. of training and support. We're still very young and so our franchisees know the first and last names of every one of our corporate employees you know so you don't there's you're going to get some real personal service um, probably for a long time but certainly right now 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to watch you guys grow. Thank you so much for coming on board. We're going to have all your information at the end of the show as well. People can reference back and look at your bio, find all that information. And obviously, if they're looking for help uh, from a consultant to buy a franchise, certainly give us a, a visit at pillarsoffranchising.com. And Ryan, we'd like to thank you again so much. Congratulations on your success with Two Maids. And I can't wait to see what you do with Pink Zebra. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. 50 graduates resulting in seven new franchisees owning eight franchise brands, more than a dozen skilled graduates who are employees of franchise companies, all of them having earned a concentration in franchising exclusively granted by the Titus Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, plus more than 80 franchise professionals on our advisory board, the Titus Center for Franchising is on fire in West Palm Beach, Florida. What do you need to join us? My students want to hear from you. They may even want to buy your franchise or work for your company. TitusCenter.com. <laughs> I knew it. I knew I knew he was going to do something because I forgot my hat. Yes. Well, you know, Fred, he's a joker. <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, so, Karen, how are you? I'm good. Happy happy six years. Yeah, do you believe yeah. it? I know. I know. I, I've, I've been around for, what, I think two. Yeah, for sure, two. And yeah. I started back when it was still radio, thank goodness, because they caught me in some precarious locations when I wasn't expecting Ray not to be able to make it or something. Fred would call and say, hey, can you get on real quick? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm mowing the grass or hey, I'm on vacation, but sure. <laughs> and then when it became video, it was like, oh no, really? I have a face for radio. I don't really want to do video. Now we have to up our game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the half a welcome uh, for today anyway. But so I want to talk a little bit. Obviously, um, we want to thank Ron for joining us today and sharing his story with Pink Zebra. Um, he touched on a few things that really kind of remind me of your area neck of the woods. In six years, what kinds of changes and things have you gone through with soft skills, management, leadership? Oh, you know, I was thinking when he was talking, I love it when I hear franchisors talking this way, when he's yeah. talking about culture, people, leadership. And, and, you know, so many, like if you talk about the headlines, so you look back six, like six years ago, yeah. You know, people were talking leadership. It was kind of a nice to have. They could get employees. I think talked a little bit about employee engagement. Yeah. Wow. COVID hit. So a few years into that six years, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And you talk about a game changer with people. Because oh. all of a sudden, we're all at home, right? So we're all at home. And then all these people all of a sudden are like, well, I kind of like this. You know, yeah. I'm my own yeah. So then it changed this mentality. I think people were stressed. I think there was a, you know, you just think about how it changed all of us. Yep. So then coming out of that was a huge labor shortage. Oh, yeah. That came, I mean, on the heels or probably in the midst of COVID where people are like, I don't want to work anymore. Or I just want to do something on my own. And yep. it caused a huge upheaval. Oh, yeah. Well, and now you've got people who are the companies are asking you to come back and the people are like, I don't want to go back. Yeah. Right. So, exactly. So it went from, it went from, um, you know, saying to the employees, uh, you know, you know, you're lucky to have a job. Right. <laughs> the employees saying, Hey, you're lucky to have me. 
Yeah. Right? yeah. So then you look at that being a contributing factor, then companies were saying, whoa, okay, leadership, making sure we have strong leadership, making sure we have strong leaders in roles. This is like, this is mission critical. So it's, yeah. not a, it's not a nice to have anymore. It's a need to have. And I'll tell you, I've been, I've been in this business for like 30 years, never seen it like this. I've yeah. never seen this shift that yeah. happened. It's kind of fun for me. Because, you know, yeah. we've been talking about it forever. It's, it's kind of fun to see to see the shift. Yeah. Well, and now you have things, um, <clears throat> not only the joint employer things that are popping up in the government, but you have all of these, um, which goes hand in hand, the minimum wage issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, it's become more where the employee is in the driver's seat. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, so that, that means then we as franchisors, franchisees, when we're hiring people, we've got to make sure that we have the right people that yeah. are equipped in those leadership spots because, you know, you can spend all the money. You can, you know, you're, you're going to spend all this money to hire them, yeah. but you want to make sure you keep them so you don't have a revolving door because that's even more money. Well, and that's what I really liked about what Ron said with Pink Zebra. I mean, think about – you're somebody who's out moving furniture all day long. It's exhausting. It's yes. like brutal. And somebody's over your back. Oh, don't move that. Don't back that. Don't back that. Right? <laughs> to being in an environment where you hear it, but you're having a good time. Like that's whoever heard of somebody says, I really want to be a mover. Yeah. But I could see that happening in a company that focuses, focuses on building relationships, making it fun. I mean, I really think he's onto something here. Right. Well, and, and a lot of companies that, that we work with, that I work with, they're all about the culture. They re- recognize mm-hmm. it's leadership yeah. and it's the whole culture. And it yeah. doesn't mean it has to be rah, rah, rah fun all the time, yeah. but it's building that culture of, of the, the, the relationship, the trust. They like what they're doing. It connects to them. Yeah. And, and yeah. people, employees look for that. So, again, yeah. that's not something that was really talked about. Probably four or five years ago. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, it was an anomaly more. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like now where people are going, oh my gosh, I really, you know, my business is down because I, I can't tell you the number of calls that I'm still on where people say, yeah, we're down, but I can't get help. Yeah. And it's like, wow, really still? And I have to, yeah, I kind of have to say, well, okay, let's really dig in and find out why can't you find help? Yeah. Right, because is it a culture issue? Is it a reputation issue because of the culture? What are your old employees saying about you? Because we're going having a pretty low unemployment rate right now, and I just have to think that a lot of these um, issues that small businesses are having with getting help needs to be looked at internally. Right, and and, and exactly. And then there's internally taking a look. It's not just one issue. It could be, as you mentioned, a variety of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another one is is even the flexibility piece. Oh, yeah. Because if you yeah. have people that are are thinking the old way, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yep. the, the, the before, and they don't want to be flexible. And flexibility doesn't always mean I work at home. That's right. It's the flexibility. It's looking at the whole person, all those things. And you brought up a really good point, reputation. Because if you don't have a good reputation as a um, uh, an employee friendly employer, yeah, that word gets around. Oh, it does. And you know, it, when you're talking about the franchise business, 
you know, maybe they really like working at Ray's Molly Maid, but they didn't like working at mine. And so to them, they don't know that Ray and I are two separate entities. They just know it's Molly Maid. Right. Oh, exactly. He's popping up all yeah, over the yeah. place. There he is again. And then you were talking about earlier about your son with a, a chicken sandwich. Yeah. yeah. And, and and so it's so true where where you can you can you rate, you know, you you, you rate things from and it's and people don't realize it's from one franchise to another. The brand yeah. is the brand of them. Yeah. So well, they'll stop going to all of them if they have one bad experience. Yeah, and, and you know, when you say that it's funny because a few years back when he was uh nine he was in the hospital for um, an infection, a terrible staph infection. And his first thing, as they were rolling him in for one of the surgeries, he said, Mom, I am not going to give this hospital five stars on Google. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is how kids are thinking. And I yeah. think that it's, yeah. well, at the time, it was hysterical to me. Um, and it may seem off topic. It really, these are the new consumers. Well, it's funny you're just going to say that because I was also thinking when we were prepping for this and we're talking about the past six years, that part of the people equation, it's leaders, it's employees, it's customers. Yes. And, and don't you think the customer, the customer demands have changed? I mean, I was thinking, I was in line at Chick-fil-A. Um, I was in the drive-thru. And I'm amazed at how fast everything is. I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah. I was thinking about how a lot of the restaurants, especially like the, the fast food, they're yep. more equipped for drive through versus going in. So oh, yeah. You go in, you're going to wait a lot longer. Yep. Well, and I think that, um, you know, what we, I think what we learned when we looked a couple weeks ago at what to expect in 2024, we talked about being more consumer-centric, yep. right? That was one of the topics that was in that um article we read, and I forget if it came from, uh, oh, I don't remember which article, but it's on one of the previous shows. It was actually really good talking about businesses today mm-hmm. to get through this year have got to be more customer-centric. So um, anyway, well, Karen, I appreciate it. Any last thoughts you have on the last six years? No. They, they, I'll tell you, they've been a whirlwind. Of all the years, I think they were probably six of my hardest years. <laughs> um, I think for most of us, right? And we had to uh-huh. have the resilience and yeah. creativity to get through it. Yeah, and I think it's 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 really challenged and prepped a lot of us as franchisees, franchisors, business owners, um, yeah. for to be to be better in the future. So I'm looking forward to the next six years. Excellent, me too. Hey, then we're gonna. Oh my gosh, we're gonna be at 2030. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> oh yeah, we don't want to go there yet. I want to be right. in a beach then. I'm just gonna tell you. Me too. Me too. <laughs> all right, Karen. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the work you do for the show. Thank you. And we'd like to thank you all for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed our throwback show, everybody wearing their hats. And the only thing we didn't do is talk about the weather. I think Ray kind of did. It was balmy, uh, 52 in Chicago today. Let's not be fooled. That's not warm at all. Anyway, we'd like to thank you all for joining us. Thank you to our producer, Fred McMurray, who has been through thick and thin with this team in the last six years. Thank you to Ray Pillar, who the two of them came up with this brainstorm of an idea and continued to add Um, various talent and personalities as we've gone along. Thank you to Jerry Akers, who could not be here today because he's focusing on the joint chiropractic. Karen Kinsey, Ford of Dale Carnegie, we always appreciate hearing your leadership and management tips. And again today, Ron Holt from the Pink Zebra Moving Company. I can't wait to see where this brand goes. If you have any questions or like to explore it further, please go on our website at www.pillarsoffranchising.com where we'll help you get all the information you need to make the best decisions. And remember, 
if you are looking for any kind of mentoring or franchise help, it is here where you will get your keys to franchising success. It's been another great show. We look forward to seeing you next week, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, the dream starts here. Recording stops.